Welcome to Writers Talking TV, brought to you by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm Marcia Green. I've most recently served as executive producer and co-showrunner on Global TV's Mary Kills People, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. Unapologetically set in Toronto, CBC Gem series Save Me has earned critical acclaim for its first two seasons. Focused on a group of paramedics as they move from emergency to emergency, this dramedy is elastic in format and can resemble a hangout comedy in one episode and a full-on drama in the next. Now Toronto critic Norm Wilner has named it one of the 10 best series on CBC Gem, while The Globe's John Doyle calls it funny, clever, sometimes melancholy, and often beautifully unsettling. And today, Fab Filippo, Save Me's creator and showrunner, will take you through his creative process in scripting this innovative anthology series. My conversation with Fab is followed by an audience Q&A. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for coming. We're here with Fab Filippo to talk about Save Me, his CBC Gem series, and I'm going to read his bio first so you can know um, everything about him. Okay, so. Everything. Everything. Everything he was willing to share with me. Um, okay, so Fab is an award-winning actor, screenwriter, playwright, and director. Most recently, he wrote and directed the critically acclaimed and award-winning series, Save Me, which was nominated for 20 international festival awards and a Webby alongside The Daily Show and, Dim and Jimmy Kimmel. You have to put that stuff in to impress people. <laughs> you're always supposed to let somebody else introduce you so that they can brag about you and then you don't have to seem like you're bragging about yourself. I just learned that recently. Um, he has over 20 episodes of true crime under his belt as a director. I left that in. <laughs> and is currently in development with multiple projects for Amazon, Blue Ant Media, and Sienna Films. Before that, he developed a new half hour for 20th Century Fox. And as a playwright, he was most recently nominated for a Dora Award for his play, The Summoned. Before that, he was on staff as writer and co-produced NBC comedies Working the Angles, Co-wrote true, true Crime Indie Perfect Sisters, starring Abigail Breslin and Mira Sorvino. And co-wrote Lifetime Movie, Too Late to Say Goodbye, starring Rob Lowe. I love that you left that in. Celebrities. <laughs> they legitimize you. <laughs> he co-created and directed the half-hour showcase and ABC hit comedy, Billable Hours, in which he also starred. As an actor, you might know Fab from such projects as Lives of the Saints, starring opposite Sophia Loren, indie hit Way Downtown. Celebrity. <laughs> or as Ethan Gold in the groundbreaking Showtime series Queer as Folk. He is often recognized for an acting stint on the hit Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Please welcome Fab Filippo. Full disclosure, they didn't tell me they were going to read my bio out. They just asked for my bio. Okay, well, I also want you to know that he, this is labeled short bio. So this is how accomplished the man sitting next to me is. This is just the highlights. Um, so I wanted to kind of go right into the writing, even though you have so many um, accomplishments um, in other <laughs> areas. I will say that there's going to be a Q&A at the end. So if anybody has any questions, please save them for that time. Um, so when I first was thinking about becoming a screenwriter. I got this book and it was called The First Time I Got Paid For It. And it was a bunch of writers talking about their first paid writing gigs. So I was wondering what was your first paid writing gig? Oh my God. <laughs> um, my first paid writing gig was when I was 21, the Tarragon Theater gave me and Kate Melville 
a little bit of money to write uh, like a two-hander for their summer arts festival. Like we got, I don't know, I don't remember how much we got, but it was uh, like I felt like I'd I'd made it. (laughs) And had you been writing before that, and like how was that? Like the first time you ever like showed anybody your writing? Was it like where were you like, or did you do it? And you're like, this is it. This is what I want to focus on. Uh, Weirdly, I, I I kind of wrote really from the beginning. Like I, I, I remember, I remember the first time I ever wrote anything in any kind of format was that after I saw Amadeus, I then was, and then I was like, it's a play. (laughs) And then I read the play and, uh, uh, then I was like, oh, I'm going to write. And I wrote like an actual like rip off of Amadeus, but like a made up composer. And <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I was doing that kind of from the beginning. And then uh, acting just kind of started, you know, and it sort of pulled me along. And then I kind of followed that until I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> Okay, well, I want to get right to Save Me because we're going to watch some of the episodes. And so I wanted to know, first of all, can you give us the log line? How would you describe Save Me? Save Me is a dramatic, comedic exploration of trauma on both sides of the ambulance. That's great. I um, was... Know your log line. <laughs> I was reading um, some of the, like, some information about the show, and some people call it a tromedy. Tromedy. I made that up. You made that up? I, I did. Well, tromcom. I said tromcom first, nice. and then and then we went to tromedy. Nice. And so where did the idea come from? Um, a friend of mine, well, actually, it came from High Maintenance, and I had, uh, I loved the the web series. Oh, we're not supposed to say web series. We're supposed to do the digital short form. And uh, and uh, I had heard that Ben Sinclair and Katja Greenfield, mm-hmm. yeah, um, they had pitched it as the cold opens of Six Feet Under, weirdly. Like you, like, you know, somebody's going to smoke drugs and you don't know who it is kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And I loved, I loved that idea, that concept that you could do. Okay. And then I was like, well, and then, so a friend of mine, uh, is a paramedic. And then I thought about it and then I, uh, I was like, Hey, would it be hard to get me on a, on a ride out? And he was like, no, probably not. Like I can get you. And I, I was literally like, okay. And then I just did the ride out and I was like, yeah, I, we, we do that. And then, so then I pitched it to, um, Lisa Balin at Authentic, who had been like, she was one of those amazing people in my life who always, even when nobody cared that I was writing or doing anything, she was like, you got anything, you know? And, and thank God for those people, uh, because, you know, you can be sitting in a bubble all by yourself and going, I don't know. And then there's this one person who gives a shit about my ideas, you know. And so so I pitched it to her and she said, let's try to do it. And uh, I developed it with her. And um, that's it. The whole concept was supposed to be only that Goldie appeared 
uh, at a certain point. It was very high maintenance at the beginning. Um, and then uh, and then it grew, and then people liked the paramedics a lot more than I thought they were going to. And, and yeah, soon it'll just be a paramedic sitcom. <laughs> Goldie is the name of the paramedic that oh. Fab plays in the series, if anybody hasn't seen it. And we will be watching a little bit, so then you will know. Um, so when you went to... Uh, Lisa, did you just have, was it like a conversation, you just had that, you just had the idea, did you, had you written anything out, did you have like a pitch, since you knew her already, I'm wondering if it was a more kind of casual, what do you think about this conversation, versus doing a formal pitch as one have, might later? I don't think I formally pitched Lisa, mm -hmm. but I had something, like I always make sure... You know, I always, I, I guess I, I always kind of make sure that there's something to follow up with. Yeah. Um, but it did come out, it came out in conversation, but I had thought it through. I'd really, I'd really thought the whole season through uh, before I talked about it. Um, so yeah, but it wasn't a formal pitch. Right. Um, and so when you said you kind of thought, had thought the season through, you were like, you, did you go to it knowing you wanted to do a digital series versus it being something longer because of like, or with kind of as high maintenance started, you know, it's kind of started here and has the potential to be something kind of bigger down the road. Is that what you were thinking as well? Not at all. In fact, what I liked about high maintenance is I thought this can't be a TV show. Right. Like I thought, oh my God, this is a full, like I felt like, I felt like it was the first, in, at least in my mind, my tiny, tiny mind, uh, it was the first web series that I had seen that was just web. And I was like, oh my God, I like this. And it narrative and, and fictional and scripted. And, um, um, and so I was like, I want to make one of those. I want to make something that's just like, just for, for that. And um, that's, that was the intention that it would never, it would never go past that. Okay, and then you said you developed it a little with Lisa. What did you, and then I assume you guys took it. Did you take it out? Did you then pitch it to several places? Did you know that CBC Gem was the place it was going to end up? This was pre-Gem. Mm -hmm. uh, pre-Gem? Pre-Gem. Um, I barely remember that time. Remember pre-Gem? <laughs> yeah. God, a world without oh, Gem? I know. <laughs> Crazy. Um... It, it, the route was always let's go for IPF money mm -hmm. and uh, and then uh, let's see if CBC will come on board mm -hmm. uh, our IPF application and sometimes they write a letter of interest and sometimes they're like yeah we're in for money right. and um, that's I'm so grateful that the, it was the second one um, and really it was it was the the sizzle that sold it. The sizzle reel, like I still think I have I haven't matched the sizzle reel. <laughs> like people loved it, and uh, it got watched a whole whack of times. And um, uh, yeah, the the concept was so clear, uh, and it taught me a lot uh, writing wise. That's that sizzle reel itself taught me a lot, just because I was just like, just make it as clear and easy as possible um which, which seemed like a crazy idea to me because i always was like trying to be clever and and complex you know and so can you 
talk to us a little bit about yeah. your... <laughs> um, I just was wanting to know a little bit about your process. When you... Like, did you write all of them before you started shooting? Did you write all of them yourself? Did you have a room? No, no room. Uh, the first season I wrote all of them, and uh, Lisa Balin was my story editor. Okay. And we work really well together. She's got a great story sense, and she's got a great... Uh, she... She has a great sort of way of being like, oh, too dark, or like, oh, you know, too funny, <laughs> like too, right. too, too sticky. Um, and it's funny, like in our Anglo TV universe in this country, for some reason, um, we don't have a lot of that sort of. Uh, that genre that mixes the dramatic with mm -hmm. the comedic, mm -hmm. which I love. And I actually think is is Canadian in a way um, that some of our stuff, you know. Um, so oh, I, develop, I developed this sort of um, insecurity that I was never funny enough. Right. You know, so every draft would be like, Joke, 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 you know, because every time I, I sort of pitched a half hour, um, it would be like, well, it's, you know, I wish it was funnier, you know, and um, and I, especially at the time, was like wanting to make this this sort of single camera dramatic comedy kind of thing. Um, so that that season kind of changed me because then I... Uh, I, I, it made me want to go toward the brighter kind of side of things. Interesting. Okay, we are going to watch the first episode from the first season of Save Me. So hard to watch. <laughs> it's so great. What I think is really I think you can, if anybody's seen High Maintenance, you can kind of see the how that could be your inspiration. I mean, it's such a character show. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about characters and how do you come up with characters? And specifically for the series, do you start with character? Do you start with what the injury is going to be or the circumstance? Like, give us, give us some insight into that. Yeah, it's always different. You know, it could be a line that somebody says, and it could be like definitely an accident. I what I what I wanted to do with this, it started with this notion that like that when you do when you make something happen in a story, um, you almost got and you want it to have a payoff. You almost got to come as close as possible to telling the audience what it's going to be without telling them. So th this was almost like an exercise. Like, I mean, we're talking about uh, like a few years ago and, and so lots has happened since then. But like for me, I was sort of like, yeah, like I'm basically going to tell people that the accident is a fork in the eye, you know? And I'm going to tell them in a bunch of different ways. I'm going to have a close up of the, the fork in the eye. Like I'm going to do all that kind of stuff so that when it pays off, it has, it has resonance, you know? Um, so that's what it started with. 
uh, that that notion and that idea. And then the second thing was I had been working at Authentic at the production offices and was writing stories and their uh, their head of uh, visual effects, uh, Joel Gregorio, was um, was talking about. He was at the stage where his group of friends was was kind of dissolving, and I was like, "Oh my God, that's something that happens to so many people." Like we get to a certain age, and all of a sudden, you know. So that kind of melded together, and then I'm just having this realization that you'd like you'd never want to find out how the sausage is made. It's like it's like it's, it's so boring. But then like then the other idea to, uh, that I had was like, "Oh, I would love like to start with narration and realize that the person was actually talking." And how do I do that, right? So I, those three things kind of came together, and. And so then I started to build characters around them. But that's not always why, how it happens. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, I want there to be a character. And then the story kind of forms around them. And do you do any research for the show? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, like a ton. And, uh, and I have amazing consultants, technical consultants that I... I reference, like I hang out with paramedics now. Like they're amazing people. They're just incredible people who all have PTSD. They all see things every day that are insane and they love to talk about it. Thank God. And they love it. And they all have these like wicked dark senses of humor. But yeah, I, I will do a lot of research uh, too much. I'm doing less now than I used to because I, I find that I... Because it's a hit? <laughs> well, not on the show in general, but yeah, because it's a massive hit. And, but like more because I found that I was... Uh, uh, the more insecure I was, the more I researched. And it really, I feel... Not to say that it's not important to know your subject matter, but it really is always about character and story and world, you know? And... Um, um, so sometimes I would have scenes that were just about the jargon and the lingo and I would fall in love with it and not realize that it was really boring, mm -hmm. you know. You mentioned to me um, when we spoke that you love notes and... Um, <laughs> Did I really say I love notes? You said notes? you love notes. I wrote it down. I wrote, Fab loves notes, exclamation mark, question mark. Um, so... <laughs> Can I ask you a question before you get into this? What's the craziest note you've ever gotten? <laughs> do, do you have that? Does it come into your mind right away or no? You don't have to tell yeah. me where it came oh, from. Yeah. I mean, you you'll me know that... as soon as I say it. Oh, really? I, I won't say who gave <laughs> us this note, but on Mary Kills People, at one point, it was like, does she have to kill people? <laughs> I mean, I think it was about a specific like episode or something, but we were like, Yeah. <laughs> She sure does. Um, but there were many notes of that. Like, you know, just like you like it and then you get scared of it. You know, so that was the. That's moment. amazing. <laughs> I had on a comedy once. This scene is too funny. Oh. Could you make it less funny? <laughs> what? And I was like, I don't. What do you mean? Why? Did they uh, have and then, a reason? And they were why? like, yeah, we think it distracts from the story. I was like, I, but it's a comedy. Like, it's a full-on comedy. And uh, yeah, it was weird. It was That's weird. So it's hard to rewrite a scene to be less funny. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, I think, I feel like talking about how you receive notes, how you deal with them um, in terms of 
how you approach them or how you say no to them is something that is like uh, always helpful for writers to know because you're going to get notes if you're lucky enough to have a show that gets made. So it, 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 it's sort of philosophical in a way. It's become a philosophical thing to me. Um, I go into every situation trying to figure out how I can help the other person. Like when I'm, if I'm directing an actor or if I'm working with another writer, the most powerful position to be in is always like, how can I help you in your head? Yeah. So when somebody gives me a note and I think it's really stupid, I kind of, I go, okay, why do I think it's really stupid? Usually it has something to do with my ego. Right. <laughs> um, and I try to get past it to kind of go, well, what are they really saying? Nine times out of 10, unless you're working with somebody incredibly difficult, which never happens in our industry, but I feel like nine times out of 10, people don't want you to exactly sort of take their note, you know? So you'll get to a spot, uh, like one of the notes I hate, hate is like, could you just massage this a little bit? Like that's a note where I'm like, I, you know, I, I used to hate it a lot and now I just know, okay, I got to look at that part. That's it. I just got to look at it. That's what they mean. They don't know what's wrong with it, but there's something wrong. And, and often too, if it's not in a, like a network situation or if it's like I'm writing a, uh, a movie or something like that and there's a team, I'll go, how many times did I get that note if I'm writing a pilot or something like that? How many times did I get it? If I get it once and nobody else says it, I'm like, nah. but if every single person gives me that note or a note in that spot, I'm like, got to address that, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, the going from season one to season two. Um, one thing that changed, I think, kind of obviously is that the episodes, there were less episodes and they were longer and they are longer. But I guess I'm curious more for your process was what you learned from season one that you brought to season two. And if there were things um, that you couldn't do in season one that you felt you could do in season two, maybe because you had like um, gained some cred or maybe just because you had more uh, longer episodes to play with. Yeah, I think, first of all, y y CBC asked for longer episodes, right? And they asked for longer episodes and the same number of episodes. And, but they didn't want to give us more money. <laughs> and so I kind of went, I can't do that. It's too hard. Um, it's really hard shooting these at this production level. And um, it's not like shooting a TV show. Like I'm always rewriting on the spot. And there are episodes that we had to completely build in editing. Um um, it's a crazy way to shoot. I love it, and it's taught me everything. Um, the other thing that I have to say is that, like, because most of my career up to a certain point was acting, that I was still like that first season. I was still was quite young as a as a writer director, and and so I look at this this now, and I go, oh my god, you're trying so hard, and and you're trying to be clever, and you're trying to you know, and they they feel like little short films. Uh, and I was trying to be really visual, you know. Um, 
In the second season, I just leaned way back and I was like, it's just the people. It's just the people and what they're going through. And and let's just do that. And um, and I think that's kind of it. Like it, it, it. Yeah, I wish it, I wish I had something kind of smarter to say, but like that's really it. Like the writers that I. I admire are people who can go, that's what this character is about. And that's what the scene is about. And, and you're always drawn to it because there's something authentic in it and, and it doesn't try too hard. I think, I mean, <laughs> I think that's very smart. Um, we are about to play birdie's end, mm -hmm. which is the last episode of the second season. Um, is there anything you want to say to set it up? I think one thing that is kind of particular about this in terms of the series and what we've just seen is that this one is more about the paramedics. Um, I'm curious if you have a sense of how much you want to talk about the paramedics versus characters or, you know, if that's just, yeah, this one also tonally, I think is going to show a nice show all of your range. Mm. As a writer, <laughs> um, I, I think it kind of stands alone. Um, the only thing to know is that throughout the season, we show more and more and more, the second season, more and more paramedics. And then it sort of culminates in this where it's like fully their story. Um, uh, and did you have that intention going in? Like you're going to do kind of like a longer it's like an arc for the paramedics inside of an anthology series. Well, what was funny is that, like I said, everybody kept going, we want to see more paramedics because they loved the characters. And, you know, I think what's interesting is that I was a real, I, 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 my natural sort of go-to place is conceptual. I love it when you're like, oh my God, it's like Russian doll or like, you know, or like we're gonna tell this story but backwards you know like um i love that shit like i do i just do but then when you get really into it again it's just if you don't have real people and 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 an arc and and a theme and like something that it's about or a real question that you're asking then it's just a concept right so i think with this season i really just tried hard to kind of dig into 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 that part okay i should probably be showing this episode but just because you said that i'm going to ask one quick follow-up yeah, yeah. so just i think it's a really good um point that it helps to have a theme to have a journey to have those things did you do you approach it did you have a theme or kind of a journey for the season or is it episode by episode or perhaps both Yes. Um, the Can you theme, tell us what it is? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's an over, overarching theme. And, and then you get into it sort of, uh, you, each episode has its own theme. You know, I, I, I also learned sort of in one of my big... Uh, teachers was a, a director named Richard Rose in the theater and in, in, uh, in, uh, I learned under him my assistant directed him and I actually wrote a play for him and he's really like he's super like 
big on like everything turns on the theme like every moment every line every like everything if you get it really really get it then everything would turn on it so this episode is when the theme of the series culminates with the theme of the episode in in a way and i could tell you what it is or we could we could just watch it watch it and we'll quiz you afterwards all right So we recorded that choir before we had the rights to the song. It was so scary because we almost didn't get the rights. We are going to do the Q&A now if anybody has any questions. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about budget and uh, writing on a budget and how that affected like the first draft versus what you ended up with in the end. Yeah, I um, I guess... Part of the process for me is not thinking about the budget right off the bat. Um, just going blue sky all the time. And then paring down. It's like, I just think draft-wise, draft, draft wise, you're just constantly, like, you're doing it with other stuff, too. It's like, um, uh, in terms of character, it's like, it's like blue sky. Sometimes I'll have a character that's like three characters, and then I do each draft, then they become one. And same thing, I thought, like, this choir was supposed to be also the room was supposed to be filled with people that joke like how many it's good to see how many faces here it's because nobody showed up and so then uh then i was like oh my god uh okay uh and that's the good thing about getting to direct it too like so so i go and talk to john bourgeois who plays biz who is the choir master and um i'm like okay we got to figure something out there's nobody here (laughs) um so constraints are amazing and I love them. And when you don't get them, you, it, it's what I mean by I like notes. It's like, they don't feel good, uh, but it's what makes, it, it's your ideas rubbing up against the reality of making them that creates the spark. You know, it's like that, it's that friction together, you know? But yeah, so process wise, first draft is like whatever I want. And then I show it to Lisa and she's like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I, and then I do a rewrite. Um, you know, accident wise, I knew this would be easy. Um, I always have like, at least for this show, I was like two big ones that I can do. And then usually I get one. Uh, and uh, like this show is conceived to be like a comedy, dramatic comedy that has a massive cool stunt in it, you know, at a certain point that surprises you and shocks you. Uh, and of course I couldn't do that. So oftentimes we'll do, you know, something small. Um, and I don't know, it kind of is nice. Like uh, I'm, I'm babbling. I think I answered your question. I'm going to stop now. Thanks for asking it. The pecu- sorry, what are the peculiarities of writing 10-minute uh, episodes versus a whole show? And I got the impression, and maybe this is wrong, that maybe Act 1 is Episode 1 and Act 2 is Episode 2. It does, like, how do you structure it differently than you would if you're doing a half-hour or a full-hour show? That's interesting. Yeah, I read to prepare. for the In the first season, I just read a lot of short stories. Um, they're hard to write. 
because you, you, you know, I wanted to make sure that it didn't feel like a slice of life, you know? Um, cause I feel like slice of life is almost like the same as when the character wakes up at the end and is like, it was all a dream, you know, like you can easily do slice of life. Slice of life is just like, and this is what happens. But yeah. So in a way, writing a full half hour or hour is easier because you, you have the construct of the act acts and the act breaks and stuff. Um, I found that, I don't know, it was just through osmosis, really. I just read a lot of Raymond Carver. Um, I read a lot of, uh, oh, my God, away from her. Why am I breaking? Why am I? Alice Monroe. Jesus. Um, yeah, like tons of Alice Monroe. Um, and it just kind of through osmosis, this, this feeling of the short story came through. And then, it, 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 yeah. I can't really describe it intellectually. It's like it was just prepping. For, that's how I prepped for it. But I don't break the short forms down into acts. Yeah. Hi. Um, I think I think that last episode was extraordinary. Oh, I you. think I think you just managed to marry that comedy with with the drama so well. It was so effective. Um, now, you said in the first season you were doing all the episodes, writing them yourselves. The second season, was there a room? or There wasn't a room, yeah. but thank you for mentioning that. Rachel Cairns, who's a young writer, uh, uh, actually wrote one of the episodes in season two and, um, and also story edited uh, all of the episodes. Um, and of course, Lisa Balin was there, but yeah, there wasn't. We couldn't afford a room. Um, I also had some help from Diana Francis, who I worked with Diana. She story edited. A, um, we, we did a TV pilot for CBC and um, and she was on that. And then she kind of she kind of read these as well and helped me with them. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I had two questions. Um, the first being, I noticed in the very first scene, very briefly, the ambulance, the clock was on 11-11, and then Birdie kills himself shortly after. Was that just for dramedy effect? Because that just seems like the epitome of dramedy. Or was there more significance behind that? And then just before I forget, I'm sorry if you dissected this already, um, because I know you guys did touch on this, but during the writing process, I see that there was a payoff that you set off very early and um, that, I mean, a setup that you set up very early and then a payoff at the end in both episodes is that kind of the structure of the show per episode because in the first one we had um, the fork in the eye and then the second one we had the PDA that paid off in the end. Usually the structure of the show is that in the first scene, I secretly tell you what, what, what the accident is going to be and or early on and then and then we have an accident at the end uh <laughs> but the last episode was starting with the accident and we fully pulled like uh six um six feet under 
and it was a nod to Six Feet Under because basically the show is a ripoff of the of the uh, of the cold opens to Six Feet Under, and uh, and so that I wanted to do that. I was I started at the beginning, and this this episode is not about the accident. Um, it's about the fallout of the accident, and um, and yeah. But what's interesting too is if you and when it, when it happens successfully, it's really quite wonderful where you can somehow telegraph to the audience. Like that's why the fork in the eye one that was like there was that one and firefighter episode that was like the favorites in season one. And what's great is that it's so satisfying because you're basically telling people somehow um, what it's going to be. 11, 11. Oh, 11, 11. Um, yeah, I just thought that would be funny. Hi there. Um, I had a question about, uh, you had some really great advice earlier about having um, a follow-up document when, uh, regardless of how casual that conversation is um, when you're when you're pitching. Um, and I was wondering if you could speak to what that document looked like. Was it kind of um, a season arc? Was it a pitch document with visuals? What did, what did that look like? And then also, um, how might that document be different now that you're in like now that you're in season two what would that document have looked like if you knew that this is this was how it was going to evolve uh great questions um it's funny because when i don't know if you if you have this experience but what i tell people often is how much work goes into writing that you don't see right um so I usually only have a two pager that's a follow up. Um and often and it, it'll depend on the the kind of show it is. Like so if it's more of a like a half hour comedy then I'll do characters, concept, logline, know your logline and be constantly rewriting your logline. Like I still rewriting the logline of Save Me. I'm like, you know, um PTSD is always in it, but like, what are we saying about it? And what am I saying? And all that kind of stuff. So logline is really important. If you can't, and I know you've all heard this, but like, if you can't narrow your show down to one line, you don't know your show. You just, you, you and I know that sounds like, you know, cutting, but it, it's true. It's like, you need to really know what it is to, for it to work. Um, uh, and then, um, so often I'll do season arc if it's less of a sort of character driven kind of thing. I don't know. It just feels ah, the show. It, it's always different. Like people want to know season arcs, but then then now episodic is kind of a little more in. And um, so I guess the question, the thing is, it's always different. Um, I usually don't do a big visual after the pitch, after the first sort of thing. And then. But yeah, when you're doing a full like pitch Bible, which is usually about five pages long, it's great to have visuals and to give people a sense. Um, people are going so like the, pitches are now so involved. And so like and often now you shoot something like, you know, I just shot a, a sizzle for Sienna um, that, you know, we just full on shot it and. And I actually didn't have anything written on that. I just sold them on, on, on it with the pitch, and I'd never done that before, right? So then I had to go back, because the thing is, is like I always just, 
I, I don't know if you've, I just want to skip all the steps and be like, I just want to write the script. I'd love to just sit down and just be like, here it is, you know? And I still fucking do it. Like I still try to miss some of the steps and I always have to go back. If I don't do my character sketches, if I don't get really deep into, into them, I don't know them, you know, um, stuff like that. So again, I just, I'll do my process is I'll do an original kind of, uh doc that's like images and like an exploratory doc that i can write anything i want from like poetry to prose to dragging in quotes and like to doing all that kind of stuff until it just you know it happens in the writing it doesn't happen in your brain it happens on the outside so the more you do the more it starts to form and it bubbles and then it speaks to you you have to make stuff that talks back to you right um, and then it talks back to you and you're like, oh yeah, this part and then this part and then this part and then it starts to show itself. Um, and then I condense that into like the tiniest thing I can possibly condense it into so that people can read it. Like if I can, if I could give it a one pager, I would do that, you know? And with Sienna, I, I knew the idea. I knew what it was. I knew the log line. It was just boom and i didn't know that they would be like yeah let's let's uh, shoot something i didn't even i was just like hey this is the concept and they were like do you do you want to do you want to do you want to shoot something i was like yes you know so but that almost never happens and probably will never happen to me again yeah but you said at some point they wanted to go bright or you wanted uh, they wanted you to go or you decided to go bright can you talk more about what you meant by that and why do you think the network wanted to kind of sh shift the tone and or did you agree with them and i've always written stuff personally that i thought wasn't that dark and then i give it to somebody and they're like that's really fucking dark you know i'm like what do you mean that's dark it's about suicide like they have like this episode i didn't even honestly i didn't even see it you know uh and so you start to see what you're communicating to people and for a while, I was a little more like, you know, no, I want it to be my voice. And I want to, you know, but then I started to see what I was communicating. And I was like, well, I don't really want to be communicating that. Like, I don't want people to feel that way at the end of it. I want them to feel kind of good. You know, so when they when they clasp hands at the end, it actually kind of makes me cringe. And it might make some people cringe out there, but I know that. When you do it enough, you're like, that's not what other other people are feeling out there. And that, that's about language. That's not about your preference or what you like. That becomes about this is the language of cinema, television, storytelling, you know. And you're not going to – you can't get all of them all – you can only get, get some of them some of the time. You can't get all of them all of the time. But, you know, my own journey right now is learning – that, oh, okay, well, so this is what I have inside me that I, I want to get out and learning the language to get it out. But I also want to be immersed in brighter spaces in my daily work. And that's that's part partly why I'm going to brighter places storytelling-wise. and Because I just don't want to spend all day mired in my own desire to end it all. I was just wondering, for the last episode, you were saying something about uh, some of your episodes were built in the editing room and I was wondering how that script looked like for the last episode. Did you go in and actually show a script that was 
those fragments already kind of shaped in your brain uh or did you just write a monologue for each character and was like i'm gonna feel it out in the editing room and seen as it's i guess it's end of season two they kind of know how you work a little bit they might trust you with that kind of thing um but i was just wondering how your script looked for that that last episode for particularly that sequence the the therapist sequence yeah that was like um i wanted the whole episode to be that initially i was like an entire episode. It's like in treatment and it's just talking heads back and forth and it keeps switching every time they go back. I'm a genius. And then like Lisa was like, no, you're going to need more than that. I don't agree. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's make that a show. Let's just do that. Um, it just happened. Yeah. And so then I wrote stuff around it. And I started to build what it was. And um, that particular episode, again, it was so big for what we had. Like we shot that in two days. It was impossible, right? Um, and, and I loved it. Like I really do enjoy it, but it's, it's, it also is frustrating and you watch, you watch all your darlings, like, you know be drowned like in front of you and um you know so we, we i lost so much and and but yeah you're going and you're doing it and um so two things about that episode it it actually is the closest one to what the script looks like and almost everything we shot is used in it <laughs> like there was almost no extraneous stuff like that was like everything um and then, um, but like some of that stuff, stock footage that we got and like, you know, colorized and like the helicopter, the, there's a, what well, was that obvious? Oh shit. That was the one thing Fab got this season, that helicopter shot. <laughs> I want a helicopter. That's all I did with it too. Like, it's just like, they gave me a helicopter. I'm like, good, great, moving on. We got it. We got it. <laughs> Don't you, don't you want to do anything else with it? Like we paid for the helicopter. No, 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 that's fine. No, more talking scenes. That's good. <laughs> and then the talking scene was very interesting because they kept, they kept trying to push me to go faster because it's like, they were, I was like, we're doing two shots. We're doing one to set up the, the, the two shot and then we're just doing shot reverse shot. And they're like, great, that's going to take like no time at all. And I'm like, no, that's going to take a lot of time because we're going to concentrate on performance and I get to concentrate on performance for at least one scene in the show, you know? Um, and we really worked through it and it was done, like it was written that way, but then we did it and then I just would let them go for a bit and see where they went. And some people, as you know, are great ad-libbers and improvisers and some people, you just stop, 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 stop. And then... You know, often it'll be like three different versions where I'll get them to kind of do, do whatever they want um, and then do nothing and, you know, and do it and then do way too much and do it. It's a great way to direct actors um, because then you have, you know, you're just, you're just creating raw material to then do whatever you want with in the edit room. But not, not, not always, but like, that's the beauty of doing a show at this budget level is because, you know, we did deliver scripts to CBC, they did give notes, all that kind of stuff, but they can't expect that at that budget level, we're going to deliver what's written on the page. 
Um, and they know that, like, that often we, we just didn't get it. Like, you know, um, and that's what you get when you don't get a ton of, ton of money, um, which is kind of fun. Do you, how do you, sh you said that took two days, but do you block? Do you block shoot them all or do you shoot one and then take a week off and shoot another? Like, how? No, no, we, we, we shot all of them. All of we them. shot that, this whole season, six episodes was like, uh, 10 days right uh, some uh, some episodes we shot in one day and yeah there's always rewriting and you're like then you're like oh shit like how do I do this how do I make this happen um, and it's not always fun I thought I saw a question there. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. You, you don't have a question? Okay. Cool. Um, what advice would you have for someone embarking on, like, they have an idea for a digital short form series? And, yeah, like, what, if, what like, advice can you impart to them? Um, you know, and I, I'm not going to answer for you, but maybe as part of this, you might, you talk to me a lot about, how important and kind of vital the editor and the visual effects person were to what it looked like in the end. But um, yeah, any I advice? I see where you're directing me. Yeah, that's cool. That's actually <laughs> I'm not great. gonna tell you what that's to say, great. but that's great. you did no. mention these that's two great. people. Know what you're able to do in post. It's really important. Cause that will get you to be able to go, okay, we're screwed or this location, the example I used was in season one, we had this location that we walked into, we saw the pictures, but we'd never, we didn't have the time to do a location scout. So we get in there and it's tiny, it's like a thimble and then the camera barely fits in there. And so like, um, I just said, okay, just set the camera up here. Uh, the actor is gonna be over there in the kitchen and we didn't move it. It was like the worst, most boring shot. And, but I knew that we could just do a little tracking thing with it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so sometimes you get, you're going to do stuff like that. Um, so just, just get, get familiarized with what you can do in post. Um, yeah, so much of even that episode that you saw was not what we shot, like cropping and, and di digitizing. And I mean, I, I think I'm pulling the wool over your eyes, but maybe you guys are like, yeah, we noticed. <laughs> It looks way better on a small screen, by the way. <laughs> and how long would you say, I mean, in terms of writing, are you, yeah, how much time do you get to write an episode or how much time? I'm not sure because if it's like you're giving yourself or perhaps Lisa's giving you, like to write a typical episode, would you say, do you give your, like normally say an episodic television, you would be like, oh, you have a week to write this or two weeks to write this. Um, so I'm just curious in this when so much of it is like, uh, you know, all hands on deck and you're doing so much of it. Yeah. Do you give yourself a deadline? Like they all have to be written in a week or they just have to be done by this day? Yeah. First season was a little more uh, amorphous and then second season there was a real kind of schedule. Um, what's great about it is that, like, you know, I would write an episode in a week because they're 10 pages. Um, and so, and then you could do a rewrite in a day, you know. Um, 
So I would say overall, it took me from idea to to production drafts, probably, and so six episodes, averaging ten pages an episode. Um, all told, like days would probably be like a month and a half, two months, but like over a certain period of time because you're not like, um, you're not working on it every day until like when you're coming close to production. And what are the plans for the next season, if any? I don't know. <laughs> um, we got some stuff cooking. Um, I honestly don't know if I want to do this budget level again. Um, I keep saying how much fun it is, but it is, it, it, at least for this kind of show, I would do another digital series for sure. But this kind of show is just like um, it needs it needs it needs a budget, and so uh, yeah, we'll see. I can't. I'm not allowed to say exactly yeah. stuff yet because I'm not. I'm allowed. They're not gonna like shoot me. But like, um, I just didn't nothing for sure for sure. So, what are you watching right now? I'm. <laughs> what's your favorite show right now, or what are you watching right now? The Crown. <laughs> the Crown. Now, it's not... Okay, so this season of The Crown, it's so funny because it's like there's no way this season could be as good as the other seasons because the other seasons are like the best part of the superhero movie, right? Where the, the, the superhero's getting their powers, right? So you're watching the queen kind of get her powers and they're amazing. And now this is a fascinating season. I would say personally not as strong as the other ones, but still from a writing level really interesting because she's just the queen and she walks around doing queen stuff. And and it's way more episodic than the other seasons too. Like you could watch them out of order and all that kind of stuff. The acting is brilliant. The execution is brilliant. Uh, some, some episodes are an A-plot. Like seriously, no B, no C runner, nothing. Like, like there's, there's a, like at least two episodes that are just A plots, and I was just what? Like this is like it's like an episode of Dick Van Dyke, but you know the Queen and more expensive. Is that what? What kind of what excites you about television right now? Like if even for yourself or what you're what you see? Is there a sense? Actually, you said to me um, on the phone that you had two writers in you, Mike Sure. And Jill Soloway, <laughs> which I think is really good. I feel like that's two great writers to be. Can I, can I change it to Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Uh, you know, you said if you put Mike Schur and um, Jill Soloway together, you might get Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote, I was like, that's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay, well, let's, should we just talk about Fleabag for the rest of the time you're here? I'm, I wish we except, had been. Can we, can, yeah, do we have can an we? episode? <laughs> Um, yeah, but what kind? Yeah, what excites you about what's happening in television right now, or what you're seeing right now, or something maybe you're excited to pursue at this point in your career? You know, I just love the genre mixing that's happening. It's my favorite thing about what television is now. Uh, I was really into Succession. The reason I love Succession is that it's really dark, but not that dark somehow, and kind of funny. You know, it does have that Adam McKay kind of kind of feeling behind it, and 
And um, another show that I loved, well, I watched this season of Flea by a Bag like four times, like in a row. Um, I thought it was the tightest season that I've seen in a long time. Like the tone was incredible. Uh, the speed, it's like a Frank Capra movie. Like it's like, you know, and, and then I don't think this is a spoiler. Can I talk about the priest character when he? Has everybody seen Fleabag? <laughs> yeah. When the priest character noticed that she's looking at the, the guy, I, 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 know. I feel like I, something broke inside. Like I, it was like, it was like taking ecstasy for the first time. <laughs> like yeah, it was, was like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, just one TV. We can all just stop that. She did, when he she did that, he goes, what, you are you, what are you doing there? I went, what? I, like, I got out of my seat, you know? Uh, That's good. Well, I am going to, unless there's any last questions, I'm going to thank Bab Filippo for thank talking you so to us much today. For me. Thank you so um, much. Please watch Save Me. It's really good. Every episode is as amazing as the ones you've seen. And yeah, we look forward to seeing more of this or what you do next. Thank you. You've been listening to Writers Talking TV, presented by the Writers Guild of Canada. All the podcasts in this series can be found on the Writers Guild website, wgc.ca. Thanks to the team at Tiff Bell Lightbox and to our technical producer, Philip Gukovic. I'm Marcia Green. Thanks for listening. <laughs>